Hello and welcome to What Our Point Weekly, where we bring together a variety of perspectives to discuss the biggest stories of the week and decide what our point, or if in fact there are no point at all. Please, if you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Today is Tuesday, April 13th. I have with me Ben and Nick. Howdy. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> this week, there was yet another police shooting, this time again in Minnesota. This time it was a man named Dante Wright. And um, for me, this was a encapsulation, it felt like, of a lot of everything that it's pretty obvious is wrong with American policing all rolled into one. Like, they stopped him for a very menial offense. Like, I think he had something hanging in his window. Then they trumped up charges about sort of his license plate. And then the woman, I, I mean, the video has been everywhere, her, her um, body camera footage, but she takes a gun out and yells, taser, 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 and then shoots this guy while he's in the front seat of his car. And for me, as I've been reading and watching more people talk about this, what's so fucked up about it is that she, there's just such a confusing moment where she points a gun at him and then starts screaming taser and then shoots the person. And then she immediately starts claiming this is all an accident. So what's, what's also like running through, I'm sure everyone's head as you see the Derek Chauvin trial going on is like, Oh man, how is her lawyer going to play this so that she could potentially get off? And just, I don't know, all of it sort of encapsulates that we live in a society that's way over policed. Like there's no reason this person should have been stopped in the first place. Then her natural reaction is to go to her gun, which she, even if she argues it in court that she like instinctually thought that's her taser. Isn't that like the exactly the wrong thing we should be doing? Shouldn't you have the taser on the side of your body and not the, or like, it seems like our entire structure is, nudging people toward violence or or it, it seems like every situation is becomes more and more ripe when I, like even now when i walk around and think about man i wonder what would happen if a police officer stops me it just seems like um you b- before the proliferation of cameras it wasn't so obvious how closely on the border of being brutalized or i mean i'm not a black person but especially if you're a minority or a black person how on the border of this person just whipping out their gun and shooting you you are all the time but this i feel like this video almost because of the confusion aspect and the fact that she's screaming taser while shooting someone with a much more violent weapon makes this uh i i see this being a flashpoint for a while i i hopefully this it it spurs a, a, a better conversation this time than what we had, what we've gotten now since the whole defund the police conversation sort of sputtered away. I think this this might change things. Uh, my immediate thought is that if you can't tell the difference between a gun and a taser, you probably shouldn't be carrying either. It's fucking ridiculous that this is the case, and this is actually kind of a common trope. I think there have been uh, at least half a dozen of instances where police have claimed that they were going for their taser and they pulled their gun by mistake and then shot someone. And that's, that's fucking ridiculous. And it speaks to like, even beyond the whole defund the police argument, it also speaks to just the ridiculous priorities in these uh, police departments where they're not spending money on actual training and de-escalation protocols. Instead, they're spending their money on insane uh, militarization exercises are just like 
you know, whatever the, the latest grade of, of military equipment is. And, uh, and that's fucking insane. And there needs to be oversight there at a, ve- at a bare, bare minimum. And then there's also the, the like, most ridiculous thing most that I heard today was that they're allowing the officer to retire with her pension intact. It just seems like every single part of the process is fucked. Yeah, I mean, it's all about protecting their own. Uh, and, it, and that inherently is about the police looking down on uh, on the citizens they're supposed to be serving and, and protecting. Uh, and it's it's just not the reality at this point. And so fundamentally, you have to re-examine the entire structure of the, the police department. Obviously, there's there's kind of problematic origins uh, in a lot of cases. And, and uh, without even needing to get that deep, I think that most sensible people would agree that there are issues in the way that police interact with the community, um, especially in given certain demographics of certain communities. These these things are, are happening happening increasingly commonly. There's also a ridiculous video of a of a an active duty lieutenant in the army getting pulled over because the police didn't see like he just bought a, a new SUV and he had everything displayed correctly and the police just didn't necessarily believe him. And they uh drew their guns on him, forced him to get out of the car, pepper sprayed him. Uh, in his enclosed SUV uh, with his dog in there. Right, and, and he's wearing military fatigues. That literally wearing military awful, fatigues. Awful and optics. one of the reasons they cited for them being suspicious was that he drove at a low speed from this rural fucking road where there was no one around him to the nearest gas station. Like, in a completely calm and controlled manner, wanted to be in a, in a more public setting, and that is apparently held against him. Like, what the hell are you even supposed to do in that situation it's it's, uh it's really fucking crazy it's crazy that people as well just like on a broader and and more uh more meta point like it's insane to me that people cannot empathize with with the victims in these situations like i i don't understand people who can argue you know pro second amendment take my gun from my cold dead hands but at the same time you should comply with everything that a police officer says uh no matter how irrational they're being i mean i i i think that there were three police incidents right there's the Dante wright shooting in minnesota there's the incident in virginia with an army second lieutenant medical corps person in uniform who's pulled over and tased and the third incident has nothing to do necessarily with race but it has to do with sort of like police pullover procedures. There was unfortunately a police officer that was brutally killed in New Mexico this week by like a cartel affiliated guy and was caught on his dash cam and it was very brutal. And to me, you know, when I, I think we do, I think there is clearly something needed to be done in the world of police policing and certainly this sort of having bias when they pull people over and racial profiling that, this isn't, you know, if we live in a system where it's equal justice under the law, that is just should not be tolerated. However, how, how do we get to a place where policing isn't racially biased? I guess I see it kind of differently. I do not agree with defunding the police. I think that's an overly simplistic and I think it will harm the people that it intends to help. Uh, yeah, I, I think that in, I don't think that's the right like terminology. I think that's almost like how 
climate change was changed from global warming. There needs to be like a uh, so that people that that latch onto the defund aspect. Like you're obviously not going to take all money away from all police departments, especially not overnight. So you should like I, I think you should think about it more as no, like no, but but you're seeing you're seeing broad budgetary. System. I'm sorry, you're seeing broad. You're seeing city councils in Minneapolis, for example, in Seattle, like pushing for broad overnight drastic cuts in the police budget. So you're actually seeing that take place, which I think is incredibly short-sighted and will and will harm the community it seeks to it's intended to help. I I don't I don't think I don't, it's a total defunding though. I think that there's some communities I know especially in places like New Jersey in some communities in New Jersey where they've taken away almost all police funding to put toward more like community-oriented things, but then they also have a police force that's basically doesn't have the same name as police. I don't, I think there's a lot of proposals out there and I think very few of them call for just a complete and total defunding of all sort of police calls, all sort of any sort of protection. You obviously still going to have a SWAT team or whatever. If the cartel shows up, I'm not sure that, that it needs to be so dialectical. No, as like my, my, my point is when, when, what I saw in those three videos is that when we, when a police person, police officer pulls over someone, they really don't know what they're going to get. But what I saw in those three videos, the New Mexico video, I mean, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't quite see the full video of the Dante Wright shooting, but the, certainly with the second Lieutenant in Virginia, I saw two police officers based off the video. And I'm not an investigator or anything like that. I saw two police officers that just simply could not read the situation. And they, and they, just, they, they, they very some, well could have had bias. They could have had, you know, well, racist did one, thoughts or whatever, like, racist ridiculous biases. Thing but, where the guy was like, please open the door and keep your hands out the window at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I like, think they were, okay. <laughs> it was quite clear that they, they just really were not quite, to be honest, like just not up to the job. I'll put it like that. For sure, yes. Uh, yeah, so like, like I think a, a major point of defunding the police quote-unquote is like limiting their responsibility and their jurisdiction to things that where they're actually needed right like i think that there probably should be uh specialist patrol officers and there are too many petty car stops like two of those are petty car stops that exactly i mean that shit happens all the time even that that pissed me off remembering home when i knew i was more likely to get some sort of nitpicky traffic ticket on the last day of the month because you people had told me, and I then I was at first I was like, that's not true. That the police are more active at the end of the month. But then as I got older, I realized like that definitely is true. Police are trying to make their local budgets or whatever. Yeah, I mean the ticketing stuff. That, yeah, I mean I yeah I'm not I don't believe in these these like quota systems. But definitely when it comes to like mental health, dealing with mental health like cases, like sort of like certain domestic disputes. I mean, personally, I think police, when you when they walk into a situation, they don't you, you're never 100 percent sure what's going to what's going to happen. So I, in some ways, like I'm in favor of either providing the police with like social service training, mental health, dealing with folks with mental health issues training or like embedding them with social workers. Um, and, I, and those proposals involve spending more. I, I, I support making the process of becoming a police officer more challenging, more difficult, better training, like not more difficult for the sake of making it more difficult, but to, to, to raise the standard of the people that are becoming police officers. And that video in Virginia was quite clear 
that those two police officers were, you know, were just completely just not up to up to snub. And I, I think that it's unfortunately a job where you have to be 100 percent perfect because people's lives are at stake. And as mm-hmm. as seen with Dante Wright's shooting, it might have been a mistake. I don't know. I'll let the investigation determine that. But you cannot afford to make a mistake. And, and, and it is a person's life at the end of that. And, and mm-hmm. in, I know in the military, if you have a negligent discharge of a weapon, it could kill a career, not just a person. It could end a career. And that's just like if you shoot off around even at a training range and, and, and you're not authorized to do so, you're in deep shit. And so, like, I think that is the case for most police. But, like, it's just every they're human like everyone else. You need accountability. And I, I don't believe in like radical, crazy reform, but I, I do believe in I think if we want to tackle innate bias and racism or, you know, and, and a myriad of other issues in police forces, I think it would require more training, not less. More yeah, I agree. With that. It also requires the abolition of police less. unions. Like generally I'm, I'm pro-union, but uh, police unions are the exception for me. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous the extent to which they uh, shield their membership and uh, just deflect any kind of accountability. Um, I do agree that it's a hard job and that police should be properly trained and they should be vetted on a regular basis to ensure that they're up to the you know physical and mental capabilities of, of what's going on. I, I This is not to be overly judgmental, but I do think that one component of, uh, of the was a Kentucky video or sorry, Virginia video um, yeah. that we're referring to with the uh, with the lieutenant is the extreme lack of physical fitness on the part of both cops. Wow. Uh, I think that they're more. No, I, I just think that you're more you're likely to shaming them. Uh, well, like, I, it's yeah, a job, it's not even about physical, fitness. physical requirements. And I think you're much more likely to defer to equipment that is going to give you a physical advantage. And I do think that that is probably part of what's uh what what potentially might be driving some of these incidents? Yeah, I don't I don't even know. I mean, I saw the video. No people with Napoleonic so complexes either. To watch, it was like Agreed. the dude the dude's like the lieutenant was like wearing crisp you know OCP uniform. It was like just they just those two police officers just like I don't understand how you just not read that situation. And it was quite clear they realized that they had completely screwed up, and they were like, oh. I, you know, I read somewhere don't that they were like, don't make a fuss. And, like, if you're just cool about it, then... Yeah, yeah, then don't, don't ever... Like, I mean, that's, that's an admission of them fucking up completely. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it, again, like, it is but a I job... back to police unions, right? Like, it's impossible yeah. to fire cops. It's, like, cops are not properly vetted. They're not mm-hmm. put yeah. through actual tests, uh, be this on a you know, mental or physical level at this point because of the power of police unions and like that, that shit needs to go away. I'm sorry. What about teachers unions? Teachers, you like teachers aren't fucking killing people. I mean, right. They could, like they have the power. I mean, it's one of the most important jobs in our society. And sure. I'm, and I'm, the, was, I'm the product I think, of good. Okay, I don't know enough about unions, teachers, but it just seems once like teachers are funded to a commensurate level as police. Mm-hmm. Then yes, they should be vetted a little bit more carefully. Uh, but right now, there's a massive disparity in terms of the way that funding goes. And yeah. uh, I, it, like, as such, given like the higher the, stakes the and unions... the, the higher dollar figures, I am more, much more inclined to 
uh, in, impose stricter standards on police. If we get to a point where teachers are affecting people's lives to the same extent that police are, then fuck yes, yeah. we should absolutely, you know, track things more carefully. We should vet them more carefully. But that is a utopian scenario that I don't ever see. And happening. the police unions act so much as just like a block special interest group, right, to like keep certain things from changing, like the mm. whole qualified immunity thing. Yeah, well, I think. I mean, teacher unions kind of do that, too. And I, I'm, not, I'm not even against teachers unions. I think there's a need for them to a certain degree. I just think that they have a tendency to protect bad teachers and for tendency to they have a t- tendency to, to essentially be against good change that, that is needed in the education world. And I do think that they have a vital job. And that's another job that you can't. I mean, I, I in some ways, like I admire I admire police, I admire firefighters and I admire teachers I admire folks that are like in these jobs that aren't necessarily well compensated, but they they the expectations that society has on them is that they have to get it right 100 percent of the time. They cannot screw up. But like what was the last time there were major teacher unions opposing like updated educational standards or like the imposition of right. it seems like testing, a lot of the time exactly, they just leverage and they act like fucking mafiosos to be like oh you know if you I know the this new requirement and if you take away my assault degree. rifle then uh gosh it'd be a real shame if uh if, if we stopped coming around here and um god knows what will happen to you it's like they act like a fucking protection racket and uh, I think that that is a major difference. That I mean, their it primary function is the Republicans to protect pension, in pension negotiations. That you're defending the police unions is kind of interesting. It, it, I'm, not, I'm, not, hey, I'm not, hey, hey, well, you're putting words where I haven't said anything. I'm just public. You're I think defending the, same the issues concept that police of a union for the police, police unions have, have to do with other public sector unions as well. Fundamentally, additional scrutiny is warranted when it's people's lives at stake. Uh, yes. And oh, hundred percent. Colossal budgetary differences. Like hundred percent. And I, and I, and I'm not and I'm not I'm not denying that. Look, there is racial. There's a racial component to this, and our nation has a checkered history, to say the least, on this. And we, I believe, I'm optimistic that this is something through time that we will move forward on. And it's going to take a lot of work, but I'm not, I'm also uncomfortable generalizing. You know, I know folks in the military that are in the reserves and national guard component that are police officers in the civilian life. And they, I trust them to make the right call at the right moment. They are squared away and they would never be in a situation like those two Virginia police officers, for example. But sure. But if, if then there were, you know, actual standards put in, then those good police would have no issue with it. Right. Yeah. Like they would pass these kinds of tests with flying colors. And I'm not even suggesting that the bar be set incredibly high or anything. I just think that, like, there is I think to your point, there's like such a fundamental lack of training and like lack of understanding of the situation. Right. Don't that, you have to train like eight times longer to get a beautician's license than to get a police license or something? In the I state mean, it of depends the on the jurisdiction, I believe. But like, yeah, I mean, well, there's there's all sorts of like licensing requirements that should go away when it comes to beautician stuff. But um, even then beyond that, there's sort of like a fundamental disconnect between the types of training that are done and the yeah. types of situations that police officers are finding themselves in, you know, yeah. 
the vast majority of the time, situations are not violent and do not require violence. And a mm. lot of the time, the police escalate those because they're sort of trained to anticipate the worst case scenario. And yeah. I understand that, you know, their lives are also important and they, that needs to be taken into account. But I think a lot of the time, sort of the inclination is to assume the worst as opposed to having training on kind of like situation uh, evaluation, if that makes sense. Like there's not, there's less um, focus on reading everything that's going on, uh, interpreting the different data points that you're getting and uh, the different situation, like what a situation is actually presenting to you and then, and then making a decision. It's more assume the worst case scenario, pull your gun and, uh, and then react accordingly from that point on. Um, yeah oh i i I, and and i'm not even gonna blame i think that in our it's a societal issue where because other like essentially we call the police for everything like my my police friend he gets called to someone slips in the shower he's called responds helps this old person up takes them to the hospital like clearly not a violent situation clearly not something that's like you know threatening his life but they're they're called essentially as this catch-all for mm-hmm. this is the all exact argument about issues. defunding the police but like i think defunding is different because i'm not in favor of defunding the police i'm in favor of allocating more funding you have like two options either you train them as in addition to their policing duties to do other stuff properly like social work or you mm-hmm. embed social workers with them and I think I, I don't know where you pull the funding from. You you can raise taxes. You can from them buying MRAPs, from them buying assault rifles. The MRAPs are technically not being purchased; they're being donated. Are you saying they're getting them for completely free? Like then, why yeah. is the military just giving them away? Because I of, thought that they were because the wars them... in Afghanistan and Iraq have drawn down. Because we bought the U.S. Army and Marine Corps bought hundreds of thousands of not maybe not hundreds of thousands, thousands of like MRAPs, including. Like versions that the brilliant, just brilliant. I, I can I can see, I can talk about the history of the MRAP procurement funding, process, but right. but essentially the the military has excess MRAPs from the, we were scrap, we were scrapping them in Afghanistan on site in Afghanistan because we had too many, and so they this Soon was will be program. out of Afghanistan. I hear the, the tie-in, but the, the MRAP itself, like the it depends. Like there, a lot of times they're the type that you see in police duty now are these like Max Pro MRAPs that were procured in like 2006 or something that are like outdated and the military divested from them. So they just handed them to random police forces that wanted them or they just scrapped them on site or gave them to like partner nations. I okay. was surprised still, when I watched there's, my there's little still bit like of a uh, significant amount of upkeep. Those yeah. things are using and, and whether or not they need them I mean, compared to no other IEDs. things. They use them as like a SWAT vehicle because they're too cheap to buy a proper. They make specific. No, because it makes them SWAT vehicles, uh, but makes all their dicks feel bigger. I don't know I mean, if that's like true. Purely, I, I, I think they purely machismo thing. I mean, okay, not purely, but but I but, feel but, like but that's fine. That's Individually, among police officers, they're gonna have those beliefs, or maybe some folks are gonna believe that. But like from a budgetary perspective, budget decisions are never made by like, you know, machismo. Are you size. sure about yeah. that? No, I don't, know. Budget, I don't know about that the, at all. The way budgets I, are decided, yeah, they're not usually very like, ha ha ha. I'm gonna appropriate funding. Ha ha. I'm so you know buff. 
You don't I'm, think so? I'm so jacked. I'm going to appropriate funding and make it get it through the authorization I don't think it's process. a sole driver, but I, th- I do think that it is a driver. I think it is a yeah. factor. Why is it called pork barreling then, huh, Nick? Explain <laughs> that to me. I don't know. Touche. Ben and Seth, you, you won. It is All about right. just being Ding, ding, ding. Victory. Good job. <laughs> So wait, I was I was kind of surprised watching my daily dose of poison from Fox News that most of the commentators were pro <laughs> pro withdrawal withdrawal from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, there there's uh, I mean that's a, there's this weird consensus on that. I happen to disagree vehemently. Um, you know, I've been texting a friend of mine who disagrees with me on this, and I said you should wear your MAGA hat, make Al Qaeda great again. Um, it it. it Look, there's a consensus among Democrats and Republicans that we are in a forever war in Afghanistan. I would not like to be in a forever war in Afghanistan. I just think that pulling out on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, when the conditions on, on the ground clearly, like, it will not, Afghanistan will not become peaceful after we leave. The Taliban are currently on an assassination campaign, killing journalists, killing civil service, civil society, murdering women who are going to school. And to think that, oh, if we just pull out, the Taliban will not invite al-Qaeda or whatever it calls itself now, an ISIS derivative, Haqqani network or whatever, into the country. Haqqani network is already in the country. But we don't even have that many troops there in the first place. It seems like we should... We should yeah. do the same thing with Afghanistan we do in every country, which is we have our, like, little tiny catter huh. of military advisors and, like, the JSOC forces sort of fly yeah. in whenever there's Agreed. a problem. Perfectly. Perfect. Why, why? That's surprising. That Yes, I, I, I think that's perfectly fine. It's symbolic. It's just to, to say I ended this war so they can say I ended this war, even though it will be incredibly costly for the United States in the long run, including... I mean, I was telling him, my a friend I'm in, engaged in a debate with, like, you know, in the near future, I would avoid major urban areas if, if Afghanistan is not a secured place. I guarantee you that the same folks that trained on those jungle gyms prior to 9-11 will, will, will come back and set those jungle gyms up again. You know? uh, that sounds like no, fear-mongering. I'm, I'm, no, I don't think Afghanistan is the only place in the world where terrorists train. A lot of terrorists are training in, like, Syria. America right now. No, I think we have our own homegrown terrorists. I think you can set up a jungle gym I mean, anywhere. There's a difference between lone wolves and like a ragtag group of, you know, some crazy Montana militia people. But this isn't, I mean, Al-Qaeda in 1999-2000 was a global network. And they had infrastructure in Afghanistan. I don't know, camps. man. It sounds a little passe to think that like the next breed of terrorists are going to be training on jungle gyms. I would imagine. I mean, that's a, it was a euphemism, but that's what, essentially what they were doing in, in Afghanistan. And, and uh, yeah, I remember the, the pre nine 11 days and the pre Patriot Act what, what days. Is, just what is the like, difference? What is the difference? Like, what are, what's the difference between those, those conditions in the 1990s, late 1990s, and the conditions that would be would have, would would necessarily be created if we were to pull out completely of Afghanistan. I just like think what, now what the terrorist would, network would is less going to be a physical location. It seems uh, Afghanistan used to be such a a, a a prized place for the Taliban or and Al Qaeda. It seemed because of how like severe the landscape was, and that there was basically not a lot there. So no, people, like, because the Taliban government. Because Osama bin Laden was in Sudan and he got kicked out of Sudan, and the Taliban government invited him to come to Afghanistan. 
Well, but then hasn't the Pakistani government also invited him to go there? I mean, it's not like that's the only place in the world. There's a, there seems to be other terrorist outlets in the world. It seems like, like you were kind of saying, Afghanistan is just this symbolic place for American, for each American president to sort of want to put their stamp on. And it just, it seems like it's also a money suck and just a, a and it's a, it's a drain on the entire region. Like, uh, it seems like nobody wants us there other than us. So I don't, I don't. It seems like the the uh, the battle of inertia is finally over, and just everyone is tired of it. There's only the hawks, only the hardcore hawks like Mr. Nicholas are still mm. pumping this one. Yeah, you know, I, I I just think you know you can debate the Iraq War, the merits of going into the Iraq War, but I think the merits of going into Afghanistan are far different. I, I think we had no choice but to invade Afghanistan, and I think that was quite clear that the objectives were to dismantle and deny al-Qaeda safe space. Well, it seems like we did that, though, right? But that being said, if you pull out, that situation comes back. That dynamic will immediately come back, I guarantee you. I don't know, man. It seems like the world has changed, and we should concentrate our efforts in, like, the digital realm or something. I, something right. different. I was going to say, so, like, what does their funding situation look like? Um, they, they still, I mean, cryptocurrency now, I mean, their funding... It's, it's, it's all kind of Bitcoin or it's all Bitcoin. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making, they're making millions Bitcoin. Every time Bitcoin goes up, Al Qaeda gets rich. Well, is that what you should say? I'm just I mean, that is, it, it is feasible. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly it's one of the, the concerns over, over Bitcoin. Although I'd be a bit less concerned given the energy requirements, uh, that Bitcoin farming takes opium, opium production, opium selling and distribution, they have. I mean, that's I how the Taliban is. Mar- isn't the opium market in decline? Hasn't that been a no? Bear I don't market? think so. I mean, maybe it maybe it has been in some. You think there are less people? I mean, I hope to God there's less people smoking heroin. But well, but like, but no, there's other sources of heroin that are that are bigger, right? Like there's Mexican heroin, which is I think Mexico is the number one producer of heroin at this point beyond afghanistan i don't know you'd have to look it up but i'm pretty sure that is still a, a very large um outlet for a lot of that region is that they produce and ship a lot of heroin not to the u.s but to europe sure um, yeah i think that's that's Asia. entirely fair pulling anyway. out is is it, it will be like when obama pulled out of iraq in 2011 I, that was just a recipe for disaster and this will be a recipe for disaster and, I, and, I, and, and I'll be bipartisan. I think that the talking heads who are saying it's a forever war, a lot of them are Republican. A lot of them should know better, but they're not. And so they can have that opinion. I mean, Trump Trump wanted to pull out of Afghanistan. Obama wanted to pull out of Afghanistan. And now Biden wants to pull out of Afghanistan. So they can do that. But I just pray. I hope to God I'm wrong. I'll say that. I hope to God I'm wrong. I don't You're think I'm usually I wrong. Yeah, we'll be good. Yeah. All right. What else should we do? Sports. Chelsea. Ben. Congratulations. Your team won. Oh yeah, the J and J vaccine. I mean, I feel like we've gone over this before. The uh, let me guess. You're gonna say the news about blood clots is not important. It shouldn't really keep you from taking the vaccine. Yes, and it's fucking irresponsible that people are making a big deal of this. I like the FDA is a terrible and badly run organization but this is like a new low from my perspective it's fucking insane that there are seven million people who've gotten the j and j shot six of them had issues with blood clots one of which was fatal and then when you consider the fact that that's obviously a tiny tiny inconsequential percentage six divided by seven million 
And then on top of the fact that COVID fucking causes blood clots, and this is one of the main issues with it, like people's loss of smell, people's loss of taste is due to blood clotting, microclots that you get in kind of the small capillaries around your your face, your nose and your tongue. And like, I think it's like 19 to somewhere between 19 and 20% of people who actually get COVID have issues with blood clots. And the fact that there is this doubt cast on these vaccines, which are life-changing and are completely effective. You will not die if you get the vaccine. You will not die from COVID if you get the vaccine. The fact that there is this level well, wait, of doubt what I heard is so fucking irresponsible. I watched it's the press conference today and they talked about how the reason that they were so quick to do it was because... If a doctor gets someone with blood clots, how they normally treat it, if they didn't know they had gotten the vaccine, that same treatment would become fatal, which I didn't quite understand. But that does seem serious. Nothing is that cut and dried. Um, If you get admitted with some sort of serious clotting issue and you get treated with something, you're going to be being uh, monitored essentially constantly. Like people are always worried about that. That explanation does not fly with me at all. And again, it's just a matter of fucking scale here. Like we were talking about six people out of seven million who had an issue with blood clots uh, compared to one in five people who have issues with blood clots if they get this virus. For me, it's uh, an insane prioritization and like an insane... Uh, and fucking irresponsible. Really, it seems like some legal thing because of no, like they fuck didn't that. Want... birth control pills. I and I know this has been like flying around. Birth right, control I read pills about have like too. a ten thousand times higher increase or, or risk of blood clotting, like serious issues with blood clotting compared to this vaccine. Well, I was reading that some people were saying it's people that are taking birth control and getting the J and J vaccine that might have been the that's possible, but six fucking people having blood clotting in the current setting where anyone who gets COVID has essentially a 20% chance of then developing serious blood clots, it, it's fucking God. insane. All right, and so don't listen also, to the medical people, professionals. People okay. who are getting the vaccine are tending to be older and having higher comorbidities, having like being more at risk, right? If you then control for that, this is completely meaningless completely meaningless this is yeah absolute nonsense it's so fucking irresponsible that this is being called to attention and that public trust in vaccination is being undermined when you have fucking idiots on social media going on about like autism and vaccines and like all this bullshit and there's like all this absolute nonsense uh about the, about COVID itself. So I find it to be unbelievably right, ludicrous by the FDA. And it's the yeah. same thing with Germany in the EU yeah. with, with the AstraZeneca shot. If you actually look at the data and you control for the variables of, okay, if you get a COVID shot, you're more likely to be older. You're more likely to have serious health complications. Uh, if you then look at that population compared to the ones that are unvaccinated with those same kind of health issues and same kind of age profiles, All right, then we there's get no it. increased risk whatsoever of blood clotting. It's fucking crazy. 
that there's this much scrutiny. We get it. We get on it. On a goddamn vaccine. I'm sorry. It yeah, I agree with Ben. Fault. It's fear. It's like they don't. I what I don't understand is like your likelihood, like the choice of either getting a J and J or AstraZeneca vaccine versus getting COVID. COVID is like far more dangerous. Yeah. Like you're you're you know, and it's COVID is not a death sentence, but it's it's far more dangerous than, as you said, like the J and J vaccine is safer than like birth control, or um, you know other off the you know. Uh, me- medications that have been on the market for years and have been FDA approved. Yeah. I think there is a sense of like fear. There's that like it's, over like, the so counter, new. over the fucking counter medications, yeah. like acetaminophen, or sorry, uh, acetaminophen, ibuprofen, these kinds of things. You can go and buy a bottle of Advil. That is more likely to cause liver failure than this vaccine is to cause, you know, blood clotting. That's not even that dangerous because of the six patients, only one was fatal. God knows what kind of comorbidities there were, but like, this is the scale that we're talking about. This is something uh, I still don't. When I watch commercials sometimes for the uh, for drugs, I laugh every time a drug says, um, "Do not take this drug if you're allergic to this drug." That's like one of the things yes, said within the perfect. commercial. Where it's I mean, just, it's, it's insane that prescription drugs get marketed to the public. Uh, that's fucking crazy, and it's also crazy that drug companies are doing this because, like, they essentially have no effect whatsoever on market uptake. But uh, yes, they have to cover all their bases, and it's. I just always find that one that one um, equivocation to be the funniest one. Do not take this product if you're allergic to this product. Like, how the fuck would you know that exactly? Um, And then they, but they don't do that for something like a car. You know, you don't get a little list of things at the end of the car. Like, make sure to put on a seatbelt. Don't drive faster than this fast. Like, they should have every commercial should have a list of things to watch out for you know like yeah well presumably you're not putting the car in your own body so i can understand that a bit yeah whatever Take a lot of doing ew all right that's great ben <laughs> uh there's a series of videos that were put out by vice media vice news okay uh, on youtube called the story of and they look into sort of mid 2000s early late 90s mid 2000s like one hit wonders and they tell you kind of how the musicians came up with a song and how how it impacted them it's like e true hollywood story yeah like uh vh1 used to have the show and they had one about vanessa carlton and her hit song a thousand miles and they had one with the italian pop group eiffel 65 and their hit song was it blue um blue da da dee ba da da and they had like Cisco's like a thong song. How does that um, go? That thong 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 thong. <laughs> um, I I'm not I there there's some might be some kids that was listening. Great. Can we like just release a a playlist on Spotify of Nick covering Nick Bops? No. Like uh <laughs> what, what are those CDs? They're like top Now that's hits, what like, I call music. Yeah, now that's what I call music, 67 or something. Um, oh, God, no, they're in the, like... Yeah, 115. they're in the 100s at this point. The 67 is... was Nick's favorite, though. That was who was the other one? Favorite. Who Let the Dogs Out? By... by the Baja Men, of course. Yeah, that was one. Oh, shoot, right, another one. But the Vanessa Carlton one was fascinating. So she's quarantining with her parents in Pennsylvania. It was really interesting. And Terry Crews was interviewed because he sang it in the hit movie White Chicks. 
And he, it was sort of, they were just interviewing people about how that song, like, impacted their lives. So, wait, how did that one go? I forget that one. Making my way downtown, fucking, like, and then on the piano that's moving around on, like, a bus. to this week's episode please tune in next week and please remember to submit any questions comments song suggestions for nick anything at all is welcome have a great week stay safe